1: Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, Fort Tonga, is looking to climb the boxing rankings and Solomon Islands reflect on their showing at the Futsal World Cup. But first, Papua New Guinea officials believe the annual rugby league match against the Australian Prime Minister's 13 was a successful test run for hosting matches at next year's World Cup. The visiting side, captained by Kangaroos and Queensland star Greg Inglis, thrashed the PNG selection 58 0 in front of its sold out crowd of 15,000 at the National Football Stadium in Port Moresby. However, PG Rugby League CEO Bob Cutmore did acknowledge a few security concerns caused by an overexcited crowd.
2: The event was a, a roaring su- success for rugby league in Papua New Guinea, there's no doubt about that. It was a preview of what we could put on as an event for the World Cup in 2017. So all that was was great. But the, the result, well, we never expected um, a win. Um, I know some people in PNG did, but realistically we were playing the strongest Australian Prime Minister's 13 side that I'd ever set up. Coach Mel had decided it was a, a pre-game for his test match against New Zealand in the Four Nations. That's coming up shortly. And we only selected players... Uh, from within the Digicel Cup and within our Q-Cup ranks. We didn't bring any uh, NRL players in. So for us, it was a bit of a learning curve to see where our Digicel Cup players and our Q-Cup players are against NRL standards. So realistically, that was a good eye-opener for the people of PNG and us to say, well, our standards aren't there. So we have to be looking at a multitude of players from the English Super League, NRL and interest and in Q-Cup standards to play for the PNG LNG in the World Cup coming up in 2017
1: And of course you do get some good names uh, turning out with that Australian Prime Minister's 13 most years but uh, not every day of the week that Greg Inglis graces a rugby league field in Papua New Guinea so to have a world class rugby league player like himself and many others in that team uh, playing in front of the locals there must have been a real treat. Oh
2: exactly, it was was an unbelievable side the Australian side Scattered with absolutely stars. Matt Moylan was a superstar up here too. Greg Niggles was great. And it was really interesting because John Grant at a, a Rugby League World Cup meeting on Friday night actually stated that Tedesco, when he saw the MFS and the facilities for players, said, I'm going to get a contract with the Hunters because these facilities are better than what we train at. <laughs> Which is good. And a nice touch. Of the, the NFS is a wonderful facility. And the player facilities here are magic. So... The World Cup people were very happy with everything that, that was being put together. The event went off very well. The game itself, the result was probably disappointing in the sense that uh, the, the score that they ran up on us. But it, it was a it was a wonderful team, and they they were playing for chance to play for Australia in the four nations because out of those twenty or eighteen players that Mal brought up, probably six of those won't make the four nations side
1: and the match Bob, of course, as you say, was a good little preview for the World Cup next year, all three Kummel's group matches will be played in. Papua New Guinea in Port Moresby. Um, so you talked about the facilities at the NFS. There's obviously Sir John Guy Stadium. There's a couple of other venue options as well. John Grant from the NRL in town, Andrew Hill, World Cup CEO. I mean, what were the sort of discussion topics there? What did they think of the facilities? Um, there's been a lot of talk, I guess, about the uh, security uh, uh, arrangements with um, you know what happened to the Digicel Cup. Uh, were those sorts of issues brought up as well? Yeah, they were all
2: discussed, and the head of security for the World Cup, Craig Sheridan, came up as well. And I think with all the stakeholders working together, but it wasn't really a problem here on Saturday, even though the reports in Australia were that people did come over the fence for the excitement because they wanted to touch the Greg Willis of the world and the you know the Joss Jacksons and the Matt Moylands. And, and the only time it did happen is, um, I forget who it was, I think it was Aaron Wood took his shorts off to swap with one of our players. And I think the, the public thought, oh, they're going to give their gear away. <laughs> so... It it wasn't harmful in any way, but we can't allow it. The the ground is sacrosanct, so we are... um, I know that Craig Sheridan had a meeting with the PNG police force on Sunday when he was here, before he went back on Monday. We uh, had a meeting with also the Australian Federal Police that are on ground in PNG, so we are looking at security measures moving
1: forward. And I guess, I mean, you know, a packed-out NFS, um, you know, you're getting more of these sorts of matches, uh, um... You know, it's a, it's a new experience as well since you've had these new facilities in for the last few years. So, uh, you know, you guys are learning about how to deal with, um, you know, those sorts of crowds again in Port Moresby as it had been quite a while since that had been the case.
2: Yeah, well, the Hunters Games, a crowd of very well-behaved. We're getting really well-behaved crowds back to the football. But then again, when you see these NRL stars or superstars, well, they had 4,000 people at the airport to Greg English and the Australians when they arrived. You know, their bus trip to the stadium was very slow because the number of people on the side of the road just wanted to see their super- these superstars. And we had about four to 5,000 people outside the ground on Saturday as well who couldn't get in. The hype of having NRL superstars here, because the NRL, they, they follow it. They know all the players. They know all the players' names. And even Greg Inglis said he couldn't believe the reception that he got. When he came out to toss a coin with our captain, Bernard gummel he did the coin toss live on national tv here the crowd erupted just when he walked out of the dressing room so it's a wonderful feeling it's even don grant and andrew hill and all the boys in the world cup just couldn't believe what rugby league means to the people here they were astounded
1: that's png rugby league chief executive officer bob cutmore While boxing fans eagerly await Joseph Parker's next fight against Russian giant Alexander Dimitrenko on Saturday night, another South Auckland heavyweight of Pacific Island background is ready to stamp his mark on the boxing world. Junior Far won a bronze medal representing Tonga at the 2010 Commonwealth Games and will fight in his sixth professional bout against Samoan heavyweight Alapati Asa this weekend on Parker's undercard. The 26-year-old told reporters he's excited to be back in the ring.
3: Yeah, I've been kind of waiting for this opportunity for a while um, because my names have been in the headlines for a few months now. So, I'm, um, so I've been uh, given this opportunity and I'm just willing to perform a good performance on Saturday. Uh, on Saturday. At the same time, you feel under like pressure given it's on TV and it's
0: on Joe's Yeah, doses.
3: a little bit of pressure, but not too much. I'm kind of used to, um, I'm kind of used to this kind of pressure. Um, yeah, I've been fighting in a high-level for a while in the amateur background, so I'm kind of used to the um, pressure. Yeah. You've seen what Joseph's been able to do in, what, two or three years? Is mm-hmm. that what you'd like to hit as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. What he's able to achieve in this short amount of time, because it is very, very quick what he's um, been able to do in that time, it's um, very, very impressive and it's very um, enlightening for us kiwi boxers coming from a... Place that's so far away from like where the big money is to to like actually be able to achieve what he has. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. For someone who hasn't seen a lot right of you, or for viewers, for what what are your strengths? My strengths is that I'm a big man, but I'm quite light on my feet. I'm a mover, um, and I love my counter punching. So it's um, so I'm not your I'm not your typical guy that um, that is just going to stand there toe to toe with the father and just basically give one shot, take a shot, give it a shot, take a shot, no. Um, so yeah, um, so I'm quite light on my feet and I suppose you guys can see that on Saturday. Given your kind of rivalry with uh, Joseph Parker in the past, do you think you'll catch up with him and have a chat on Saturday night? Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, the um, headlines, it seems pretty heated, but it's not actually in real life, no. <laughs> so how's training been going? You've put the um, aluminium joinery business and you're more stepping towards being a full-time pro now? Yeah, 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 it, 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 it's a, um, these um, past few weeks have been a, a great insight for me for what full-time training is going to be like once I get to the stage. I am still working at the moment, I'm still um, I'm working around 20 to 30 hours a week, but I do train hard in the morning and I do train hard in the evening, so yeah, um, so these past few weeks of camp have been really, really intense, but it's a lot better um, now. Than it was before, rather than me working like 40 to 50 hour week and then training. How much better could you become if you were a full time trainer? Um, a lot better, a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just from these past few weeks, just from training properly twice a day up, and um, I have seen a huge, huge increase in my speed and my power fitness as well, yeah. yeah it's We've seen um, what heavy weights done over the years, you know, a Trudeau, Shane and Joe Parker. I guess what separates you from those particular fighters. I just um, like to move, I don't like to really stick there toe-to-toe and kind of get my head punched off as well. So I'll, um, yeah, so from me you'll see a lot more boxing, a lot more um, tactical moves from myself. Yeah. You know a lot of people do talk about their the guitar as an amateur and energy. Uh, your successes against Joe don't kinda take us back there and uh, I guess when you had an amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you did very well. Um, kind of talk us through that in, in your career as an amateur fighter. Okay, so um, so my career as an amateur fighter was um yeah for the for my first few years. I started when I was sixteen. I um, yeah trained hard. I won the national title for my age group in my first fight. Um, I then stepped up to the senior ranks and I had some I had some success here in New Zealand, I travelled the world, I would say one of my biggest um, achievements was to get the bronze medal at the 2010 Commonwealth Games, I then went and boxed for, uh, well I boxed in this franchise in the World Series of Boxing, um, that's where me and uh, Joseph Parker boxed as well. He boxed in China, I boxed in India, um, and my, my record in the first year was 3-0. and I then traveled to England, and I boxed with their franchise when I, was, um, when I was training with their Olympic team, and, um, and also I was training with Anthony Joshua, um, training hard in their franchise. And, I, and at the end of that career, I ended up four and four. So the competition oh, so that level of um, competition was very, very high. I was um, boxing with, um, uh, with, a, with the Olympic gold medalists, Olympic silver medalists. Training with the top top fellers, so yeah, um, so yeah, so training, training with people like that coming into the pros, it just kind of um, makes it it, it, it just kind of makes the transition a bit smoother and a bit easier.
1: That's the New Zealand Tongan boxer Junior Far. Solomon Islands are taking plenty of lessons from their latest showing at the Futsal World Cup in Colombia. The Kurukuru were beaten 4-2 by Costa Rica and 7-3 by Argentina before a 10-0 thrashing at the hands of Kazakhstan in their final group match earlier this month. Head coach Juliano Schmeling says despite failing to win a game, there is reason to be encouraged.
4: Thinking about whole the whole three games, yeah, I think it was very positive for us. Solomon Salomon, the players improved a lot, not just for the tournament, and it talked about whole preparation. And we did a very nice game against Costa Rica, a nice game against Argentina. The only one was against Kazakhstan. We didn't have enough strength, physical, mental, to, to play against that game. So, yeah. But looking at looking whole tournament, I think it was very positive for us.
1: From your expectations going into the event, um, was it what you expected?
4: My expectation was uh, to have three, three good games. Like I said, the only expectation I, I, I was looking in, I, I thought we could have is the against the third game. Third game against Kazakhstan uh, it was a little bit from the the only game I thought we could perform a little bit better, but unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, we couldn't keep the same performance we had against Costa Rica and Argentina look at the game look the game we had a chance against Costa Rica uh, it was a very open game i think they could win and we could win as well it was very open against uh, Argentina was uh, we knew it was very difficult but the way we got prepared and play against them was very very positive because uh, we had the very nice moments playing against uh, a top country in the world, and they are in the same finals now. So I think it's very positive. But against Kazakhstan, it's the only, only game I was expecting a little bit more. We couldn't have, like I said, we couldn't have fitness and strength and, and uh, mental strength.
1: So are you saying that the first two matches you played against Costa Rica and against Argentina, physically and, yep. and mentally, that was very tough on your team? Is that why it was so hard against Kazakhstan?
4: I think it's more about uh, about the reality we have. We I'm mean, dealing with the players is amateur players. I am mean, not dealing with professional players. They don't have the strength, they don't have competition to to keep uh, to play every single weekend, like uh, Kazakhstan has a, a, a big league, uh, Argentina a strong league, Costa Rica a strong league, all the facilities. So for me it's pretty natural. It's about uh, keep going that level yeah, for many play, many games. So, because that definitely was because uh, they did everything for the first game against Costa Rica, second game against Argentina, and definitely was uh, was affected because of the first two games. So, we, if we had a routine, if you had more experienced players in high-level competition, yeah, then we could perform better uh, ideally. But, for me, it's totally understandable, yeah, uh, what they did with that game. But like I said, uh, I was expecting a little bit more, yeah. But of course, as a coach, uh, I would like to have a better results, But looking, looking whole competition, I'm pretty happy.
1: So you had a long time together with them in the immediate um, build-up. You had that time in Australia uh, playing matches and the training camp. You went to Brazil for a few weeks, and then obviously at the World Cup. How how do you ensure that the team progresses? in the next year, two years, four years, until the next Oceania Championships? Because after, after the last World Cup four years ago, it was quite a long time before the Kuru Kuru actually played again.
4: This is the main question now. I got back to the country yesterday because I have a meeting this week of Federation. My contract is finishing when the World Cup finished. So now I will sit down Federation and I'll give to them the ideas, the plan to maintain. So now it's up to them. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. So the question is that. But I got a, a very nice, positive news. They already signed a contract with the government, FIFA, and Federation. They are building a stadium. That I got from the news here, from newspaper and social media. Uh, they will start a building a stadium on, on November, and uh, this, this November. So this is very positive. It means like, they, they are serious. They want to improve. So, but first, I need to talk to them this week. I have a meeting with them and, and find out find out really what they want to do. And my wish is like, yeah, I hope they will keep going. They'll keep going with the project, keep on improving, uh, because there's a potential culture, potential team. They have a very nice uh, uh, talent here. Uh, just to be honest, will, the best performance we had is a, a guy as a new player, 19 years old, performed very well in the World Cup. As uh, one of our key players, um, so my idea, if I keep going, my idea to to give more chance for the new generations and and involvement of the experienced players, and keep going playing tournaments. They need. I will give the idea to. Play tournaments even this year, and they need to organize the tournaments. I have the contact. So all the trip we did in Brazil, we uh, all the trip in in World Cup was to have a connection, a net uh, net connection to to organize tournaments. So I hope they can play at least two tournaments, international tournaments next year, and to keep going. So the key is that the the this is the big question. I I believe the federation will keep going, but. Uh, first I need to sit down
1: and talk to them That's Solomon Islands futsal coach Juliano Schmeling and that's the World in Sport for this week I'm Vinnie Wiley as always thank you very much for listening